This is the Canicurio podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license news directly from the data vault. On today's show, we're joined by Ryan Kylie, Director of Market Development at EPAC Flexible Packaging. Ryan, welcome. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So as we've prepared for this uh, podcast, I've gotten to know a little bit about you and that you know your background is kind of unique. You're a software engineer from RIT, and then you went to work for IBM. Is that kind of a normal career track in the into the packaging industry? Well, I um, I don't know what a normal career <laughs> track is these days. Did I did I read correctly that your undergrad was in Russian studies? It was, yeah, yeah, Russian okay. studies major. So, all right. So, which one of us is more likely to be where we are right now? <laughs> That's a great question. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. There were there weren't a lot of Russian jobs in the eighties. So, uh, so here I am in the cannabis. Oh, well, sure, there were, but. Um, you know, so, so my track is, uh, you know, it's, it's typical, right? So I, I went from writing software to selling software to marketing software as my software development skills became less and less relevant over the years. <laughs> um, but, you know, now, um, you know, I found myself the last 13 years um, trying to, to create additional value in a company's core product. So mm. 3D pack flexibles, we make pouches, right? It's not a secret. We, that's yeah. what we do. All right. But how can I add value to a customer relationship with EPAC by, um, by applying software and services and advanced technologies? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, no, that, 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 that makes, it makes a lot of sense. And I've certainly learned, you know, about your business through this, uh, um, through this process as well. So, um, so that's, that's great. So um, in terms of, the company, you know, as you said, you make pouches and you also serve, you know, a lot of different markets. So could you tell us a, a little bit about that, that background and, and also how you guys wound up in the cannabis space? All right. Well, so let me, let me be fair to the business, right? So we don't just make pouches. We make roll stock for companies who have their own form fill and seal machines and things along those lines. Um, we make things that stand up, things that lay flat, things that have seals, things that have uh, uh, child resistant zippers and, yep. and all sorts of, um, technology that, that, uh, that goes around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did we end up in it? Um, it started in 2016. It actually started a couple of years before that with some, some market research. Um, but we saw that there was a, a severely underserved market, especially, where small and medium businesses were looking for professional packaging, where small and medium businesses were looking to move out of farmer's markets and into retail or into online sale and needed a professional face on on their product in order to pull that off. So we partnered with uh, HP um, and created an all digital uh, flexible packaging company. Uh, so we were born digital. So we didn't graft digital onto a Flexo or a, a you know, a traditional printing company. Um, so all of our processes and backend, the ERP, everything that's part of our company was born out of the, the need to produce things quickly and efficiently, uh, but professionally, right? That, that's the big deal is, you know, these small and medium businesses weren't given the opportunity to put a professional face on on their products. Got it. Now, now your 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 secondary question there was how do we get into cannabis? Well, our first plant in 2016 uh, was in Madison, Wisconsin, which was not a cannabis adjacent market. But our second plant in 2017 was in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, All right. 
so um, it just came to pass that uh, cannabis companies uh, migrated to the value proposition that, that we offered. So we can get you pouches uh, packaging in five to 15 days. Um, people can change what their, uh, their design is on a very regular basis. They can order to demand, which means you don't have to overorder and waste packaging. Um, and, um, and most certainly, you know, uh, you don't have to wait 16 weeks for something to sit on a boat in, in a port in a harbor somewhere in order to make its way uh, to your store. So all those things just kind of came together to speak to the cannabis industry in a very real way. Oh, interesting. And and your point about digital is, is pretty powerful. I, I I came from a career really in the in the publishing industry. And for mm-hmm. for too long, people talked about, oh, we have to get digital. We have to get digital. And and, and some companies really did fight it or they didn't understand mm-hmm. it. And it was a hard transition. So being, as you said, sort of born digital, I, I think is definitely a, a big differentiator for for you know any provider in sort of any industry now, but I could see how it could uh, certainly work out in uh, in yours. So I'm with I'm with you. So I've been I've been in the printing industry for about thirty years, and I've seen the digital re- revolution happen several times. Yeah, 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 right. So you know, in the transactional printing market, where you have statements of bills and policies and invoices, they've all been forced to be digital from the very beginning because every single one of them is different. Yep. But in the in the commercial printing market. Um, you know, that took a little bit longer to realize what the cost benefit, where the curves intersected in order to make that a reality. In the wide format market, that was um, also the same sort of thing. You know, how can, I, how can I pull that off? And now in packaging. So, you know, there are some advantages. You know, I don't have to make 20,000 copies of one pouch. I can make 20,000 pouches, each of them being completely unique and individual. And it doesn't cost me anything because it's the exact same process uh, as, as we print these things. And that's kind of why our connected packaging uh, initiative uh, was born. And we do more, right? We can do mosaic and interesting designs and, and all sorts of stuff with this variable data printing technology. Um, but yeah, uh, this, this notion of connected packaging and giving each individual pouch its own unique digital identity is only possible because, again, we're, we're born digital. Awesome. Good. We'll, we'll get to there in, in a second. I want to talk a little bit more uh, about um, sort of the markets and, and how you see it. I mean, you cover a lot of markets. How, how does cannabis compare in terms of, you know, growth rates, you know, versus, you know, other markets? Because whenever I go to conferences, everybody talks about, you know, the, 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 the CAGR of cannabis is crazy. It's outpacing everything else. I mean, do you guys see that? Because you're not just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a cannabis only uh, company, as you said before. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's our fastest growing segment uh, by a long shot. Uh, we do pay attention to the market trends. So we see things like flour and stuff that is most likely to be uh, pouched, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to beverages, which, you know, hard to put that in a pouch. Um, so, so we see those trends and, and we pay attention to them. But, um, you know, we do snack foods, we do confections and we do pet foods. And, you know, there, there's so many other markets that we play in. Uh, cannabis over the last 18 months has been our, our fastest growing segment. And maybe that speaks to the fact that we've stood up plants in Kansas City and Northern and Southern California and Vancouver and Toronto. Um, so, you know, we've, we've put ourselves in a position to be successful with the small and growing companies 
not just the MSOs, but the but the small companies that are are trying to find their footing, and and give them the kind of uh, packaging and service that that they need. That makes a lot of sense. Now, how public facing is cannabis as, as part of your company? I mean, after having done this podcast now for a couple of years, you find that you know some companies will create like a captive brand or subsidiary, uh, or others that is their only brand. Uh, you know, how, how does that fit for you on a kind of a brand continuum? Well, I mean, we have to play the game with the platforms that afford us the opportunity to advertise. All right. Um, so, uh, I mean, for me, I, I just got back from MJ BizCon, where uh, we sponsored the Grasslands after party. Uh, so we're front, front and center at that. Yeah. Um, there was a Missouri Innovators Conference that was focused entirely on cannabis. And then I went to Toronto, uh, which is only about a three hour drive for me. But that was the Lyft conference where we had a booth. Uh -huh. So we um, we're front and center uh, with cannabis. We just have to play by the rules that our advertisers let us play by um, yep. and, and, and make sure we get you know, the, the message out the best way we can. Yeah. So um, so digging into you know, what makes you guys stand out. You know, one thing that I've learned to talk to you and also with your background is that technology really is a differentiator here. So I wonder if you could talk about a couple examples of you know, how you guys do that and, and why your clients benefit. Yeah, well, it's really easy to just make a pouch and send it to a customer and then be done with it. Um, but we care. Uh, our why here, we, we put it in all capitals, W-H-Y, why. The why of EPAC is to support small and medium businesses in the communities in which they mm -hmm. and us serve. Um, and if we just send you a pouch and hope for the best, well, then you're kind of on your own. We're not helping you grow necessarily. Uh, maybe we gave you a beautiful pouch. Maybe we gave you an opportunity to move into retail. But I think, and maybe it's me, you know, my little romantic heart here, but I think that we should care about what goes in the pouch. I think we could care about what a consumer experiences when they have the pouch in their hand. Yeah. And so that's kind of where my role comes in here at EPAC and, and uh, you know, it comes to, down to consumer engagement anti-counterfeiting, profit protection, um, track and trace and, and, and showing the, um, the, the efficacy of uh, the ingredients of a particular product, and then maybe even protecting the product that's inside it, right? There's technologies that we're working with right now that will maintain humidity over the course of a, a product's lifetime. So that can mean a lot to a high-end flower uh, sure. organization. Yeah. So anyways, um, I, I think our responsibility is not just to, you know, the, the pretty graphics on the pouch. It's to, you know, how a consumer is going to experience what ends up coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the other ones but besides the counterfeiting is, let's talk a little bit about uh, something you showed me before, sort of how the barcodes can really work. And I think you said, you know, in, in, in one square centimeter, a lot can happen. So, you know, maybe if we could, uh, you know, show that because I, I think it's very powerful. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. And, and that's a big part of what I do every day is, is to help with this connected packaging world. So mm. let me explain that, you know, um, QR codes are one thing, right? Uh, there are RFID tags and there are other technologies that will come over time. But the notion of giving a consumer access to more information beyond just the packaging graphics is what's critically important, right? So look at this, right? So this might be 
um, uh, a quarter ounce of, of flour. But the pouch is so small, there's only so many things I can communicate uh, by way of that, 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 that graphic. Mm-hmm. So, so we start first with consumer engagement. So how do I connect better with my customers? How do I get my customers to connect with me? How do I get them to follow me on social media, sign up for news and offers and create a more loyal customer base? So that's consumer engagement. Number two is transparency and track and trace, which means I'm trying to tell customers a story about the um, origin of what they're about to consume perhaps. Uh, And that transcends everything, right? That's, I mean, pet food. Uh, My whole conversation yesterday was about the the ingredient origins of of a pet food company. Mm. And then lastly is counterfeiting. Um, And more and more in cannabis, we're seeing people step on the good names of legitimate companies. You know, somebody turns an S into a Z and sells it right alongside them in a bodega in Florida uh, for $5 less and suddenly there's a huge, huge profit problem. Um, One of the companies I've dealt with most recently had a $600,000 a year profit problem. Profit, not not top line revenue, profit. Um, Because somebody just ripped off their pouch and said, okay, now now I'm gonna sit right next to you on the shelf and sell for less with what is most decidedly a substandard product. Um, So protecting a company's profits uh, and then the other side of that, uh, Ed, is, is protecting a consumer's confidence in your product. So if I know I'm going to go get a fuel vape cartridge, right? And how many times did we hear the news stories about rogue vape cartridges in, in the early days? Right. Um, but if I know I'm going to go get fuel and I know fuel and I, I, I trust fuel, well, I can give a consumer confidence by creating a digital identity on the pouch itself yeah. that, that confirms this is a fuel vape cartridge. And so, you know, all those things kind of come together. I know you asked for a little bit of a demonstration, so I'll share my screen here okay. and, uh, give you some of the good stuff, um, and kind of show you how that all works. All right, I can't get the, there we go. So, you know, if, if you and um, our viewers today, you know, would care to just have a scan, right? Go ahead and scan, yep. scan that QR code. Now you'll see, it doesn't look like your grandmother's QR code. It's a little different. In fact, every single one on every single pouch is unique. Yeah. And our partnership with a company called ScanTrust is what makes this all possible. ScanTrust is a worldwide um, software service, Internet of Things. You know, you insert the, you know, the, the, the buzzword here, um, but their biggest customers are, are like ExxonMobil and Unilever, where they help protect uh, products from, from counterfeiting and they help confirm the, the origin uh, when it comes to things like coffee and free trade chocolate and yep. stuff like that. So all we've done is taken a really uh, powerful platform and we've brought it down and made it accessible to the small and medium business. So if you were a granola manufacturer in your basement, there's no way, you know, you had the half million dollars that it would take ExxonMobil to execute on a platform like this. So mm-hmm. that, that's the beautiful thing. And, and it's, again, it's our why, Ed. It's, yeah. it's we're bringing something that a small and medium business wouldn't normally have access to 
down and and uh, in into their world. So, you know, if you were to have clicked on that, you you would have seen a number of things, um, including um, uh, a video story about the yeah. coffee manufacturer. You know, you would have seen a track and trace um, proof, which shows that the coffee was produced in uh, Mexico and and roasted in. Sacramento and distributed in Denver. And, and then you would see the little green dot that shows you where you are uh, right now. Yeah. So that's the kind of the, the circular journey of, of, uh, of that individual pouch. And I'm going to take it a step further, just because I'm on a roll here. And that is, what about the next dot on that map? What, what if the next dot on that map was where it was recycled or repurposed, or, you oh, know, yeah. we did, we did something environmentally responsible with um, the pouch that's in your hand and the brand could could prove that it all happened. Now I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that two minutes ago, uh, you know, Ed clicked on this and that's probably, oh, yep, <laughs> same, <laughs> same, same thing we had the other day. Right. Um, but I can, with my analytics platform on the back end of this, get a lot of information about the people who scan. Now it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly where Ed is, but what matters is perhaps we back out a step. What might matter is kind of the the distribution of your your customers. Yeah. And and something like this would inform if if it was my company, it would inform my marketing spend. It would inform what I do for my online ad buys. I might be putting up billboards in certain spaces, but something like this could tell me uh, where customers are most likely to uh, enjoy my product. Um, That's great. Could... I mean, I, I was going to say, you know, going back to your point before about small, medium businesses none of them could one build this on their own or two, it, you know, it, it would be a, I, I think a tough, uh, a tough thing to go find. And, and for you guys to offer this solution to people who are growing coffee or cannabis or whatnot is uh, a real differentiator for them. It's sort of like, you know, the benefit that you guys bring to the market can really, I would think, enable those customers to, to just do a better job of, of what they're trying to do and, you know, hopefully make more money and hire more people and, you know, all mm -hmm. those good things. Yeah, everybody's on a continuum of some kind, right? So there's always a next step that's a little better. Yeah. So how do, how, do, how do I get a little better? I think uh, Mr. Burns on The Simpsons said, you know, I've got a lot of money, but I'd trade it all for a little more. Uh, <laughs> how, how, do I, how do I go one step further? Um, and for small businesses, uh, the, yeah, yeah, there's not a ton of inherent you know, marketing talent that, that, that they come to the table with to start off. Yeah. Um, I, th I feel that a lot of small businesses start with passion and an idea. Um, they start with a purpose. You know, some people want to save the whales. Some people want to rescue children from child trafficking rings in Tanzania, right? These are all purposes and these companies are born out of them. But you know, it's not like somebody is a, has a CMO title in many of the businesses that I talk to. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, the point is uh, that we're here to help, right? So I, I want to make this clear that um, all the stuff that I just showed, uh, and thanks for the opportunity to do that, mm. but all the stuff that I just showed, you're not on your own, right? We're here to, to take you through it, to consult with you on, on what happens next and how to take the next step in the journey. So one of the other 
partner places that we sometimes see is helping clients deal with regulations. And I know you said, you know, you're not the lawyer for your clients, but I know that the packaging rules and requirements in probably every state are different from every other state. So, you know, how do the rules and regulations come into play for, for, for EPAC and, you know, how do you guys manage that? And, and, you know, how does that play out for your clients? I mean, fundamentally, the graphics are the responsibility of the client. So, you know, we we produce the the graphics and the patches. Mm-hmm. But with that connected packaging solution I just showed you, we could do some pretty powerful things. So if your state or province allows for the fact that a COA, a certificate of analysis, mm-hmm. um, and that, that applies everywhere, right? It applies to hemp, applies to cannabis. Um, if a certificate of analysis can be communicated through a digital or an electronic means, then we can um, we can really uh, work some magic. Um, so you have one strain that's produced in three gra- greenhouses five times a year. You got a you know a whole ton of COAs that end up resulting from that, and you have to end up communicating them to your end user. If you're in California. Maybe, you know, you just send them the matrix and it, that's all there is to it. But if you're in Massachusetts, you have to communicate that to your customer. And instead of putting a big old sticker on the back of your pouch, communicating the, um, the COA results, well, you can put a QR code on it. Yeah. And, if, and if, if you had these two pouches that look identical, let's just bring it down to brass tacks. If you had these two pouches, you could end up assigning this is about the digital identity. You assign this pouch to this COA and this pouch to the other COA after we've printed them and handed them to you. So it comes almost uh, like it's at filling time or in your, your shop itself. Nice. And, and that, can, that could be an environmental message. We can reduce waste on, on um, you know, if you happen to under harvest in a particular area or, um, you know, you've, you've got one strain across three greenhouses uh, across five harvests, you know, you, you just make one package order and, and then assign the identity of the pouch uh, to the right COA when it comes time. Nice. Interesting. It, so, it's a, um, it's a really complicated, it's a complicated story to tell. It's not complicated to execute. So small and medium businesses can do this and do it well and effectively. Yeah. And we teach and we can teach them how. Oh, that's great. Now, in, in terms of that market, um, one of the questions I ask on virtually every podcast is just trying to get an idea of how people see the market because you know, we've got these sort of legacy markets out west or mature markets. We've got California that still seems to be going through growing pains. You've got Michigan that's cranking out licenses like crazy. You've got MSOs in some places, not in others, med markets, adult markets, both in some states. How do you look at the market? Like, you know, New England is, you know, where we both are. The Northeast is where everybody's looking to. You're in New York. I'm in Connecticut. Who's going to license first for rec? I mean, how how do you guys look at the world? Right. Well, people are going to judge me when you said I'm from New York, right? I'm like a seven hour drive from New York City. So I'm I'm the (laughs) other, this is, I'm in closer to Buffalo. Um, But how do we look at the market? Um, we, We look where there is an opportunity for small and medium businesses to grow. I, I got to tell you that COVID um, created a lot of opportunity for us. Um, it, it, it created a lot of um, unemployed people that turned out to be wonderful entrepreneurs. 
So they started their own businesses. And, and that's like the granola people and the yeah. chocolate bar people and, and the cannabis and hemp people. Um, so, you know, we look to find markets that um, are, are likely to have these young and upcoming entrepreneurs that, uh, that need a kind of service like, like we can provide. Um, in New England, right, we service New England basically out of uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Cleveland, mm -hmm. but we've just stood up a new plant in Toronto, which gives us um, which gives us left and right coast capabilities in Canada. So we have one in Vancouver, we have one in Toronto. In the U.S., we've got uh, 16 plants. We've um, stood up plants in uh London, in Poland, in uh, Austria has just been announced, in France, in Lyon, uh, in Ghana, and Jakarta. And all of these are EPAC locations. So every single one of them, if you walk in, you will experience exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that, that's been our target is, is to find areas of, of opportunity. Uh, Kansas City is a plant that we've opened recently. Um, so that would serve the Missouri market and, you know, other, other surrounding areas yeah. that are experiencing extraordinary growth in <laughs> license holder applications. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma, right. Oklahoma. Uh, we service out of our Austin, um, uh, location in Texas. Um, but yeah, it's, we, 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 we find where the customers are pretty easily. Um, and with our small local uh, kind of community-based focus, um, it resonates and, and these guys find us. So um, you touched on this a little bit before, but tell me a little bit about hemp. How does that come into play? Because does hemp really for you guys mean CBD, something that's already packaged down as opposed to, you know, all the millions of other uses of hemp? Hmm. Well, yeah, obviously it's just a, you know, a product as any other, if, if you're selling it as, as flour or otherwise, but, um, you know, I, I'm really interested when I was in, uh, Missouri, uh, at the, at the innovators conference a couple of weeks ago, I was introduced with a gentleman who wants us to look at, um, uh, hemp-based packaging. So how do we make a plastic alternative, uh, out of hemp in the first place? Um, and I'm not saying that it's technically feasible. I mean, we're in like, like week two of trying to figure it out, <laughs> but, but, but I'm interested in it. And that's kind of the special project sort of side of my life yeah. is, you know, if we can figure out a way to protect a product, right. Because we care about what's in it. That's how we started talking about this yeah. is, you know, it's got to have the barrier properties. It's got to have the child resistance. It's got to have all the things that it's got to have. But if we can do that with a hemp, based original product then hey why the hell not right yeah absolutely absolutely now that, I mean, that makes a that makes a lot of sense so uh switching it around a, a bit you know i always like to ask how does cannabis media hopefully help you find these people because you know we we know that license growth is still continuing to happen it's it's you know kind of amazing as we sit here and you know just watch new states come online and you know hemp grow but you know how do we help you uh well uh, our relationship is new, but fruitful uh, so far, I can tell you. So we've got a, you know, we got a pretty substantial license with cannabis media. Um, I distribute 95% of my licenses to sales reps. Yep. So sales reps use the, the database in order to find 
uh, license providers, new licensees, and to learn more about the kind of companies that they're going to go either cold call or call on and, and give them something uh, to talk about. So, you know, when you start a conversation with, hey, uh, congratulations on your, your, your new license, um, you know, suddenly it's a warm call and not a cold call. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, sales reps are a big deal, but from my standpoint, the, the, the big benefit here is, you know, I got 70,000 people I can market to. Um, so I do webinars and events and, you know, you name it. So I use my personal license in cannabis media in order to create some curated lists of individuals. Um, sometimes the messaging is more, uh, focused to, uh, you know, a retailer or more focused to a grower or whatever it is. But I want to get people interested in me so that when it comes time, okay, so I'm a new cannabis company. I just, uh, let's say I'm growing my own. I'm, I'm, you know, completely vertically focused. When it comes time to packaging, I, I know the name EPAC and, I, and I've got somebody that I, I can trust uh, to call and pull that off. So. Excellent. Well, that's, that's how we've used it so far. That's good to hear. And those sound like great ways to use it. So, uh, so uh, always glad to learn how, how, how people are, are doing this. Um, jumping back to the market side, you know, what other states are you looking at or what other regions? Because uh, I didn't realize that you had also international presence. So, you know, mm. what, what do you think is going to come up next that uh, is going to be a focus? <sighs> you know, so I mentioned Toronto, Kansas City, Portland. Um, these are our publicly uh, acknowledged new sites of ours. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, right. so what, what, what does more mean? I mean, we're in, we're in Miami, we're in Richmond, we're in Northern California, Southern California, we're in Colorado, we're in Austin. Um, it, it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's wherever the business takes us. Um, I see that uh, France, for example, might be one of our nearest term adult recreational use countries um you know yeah, we'll god, see god willing um cbd though in in uh the uk is huge so yeah. we just opened up a second plant in um it's called leeds england mm, uh yeah. outside of our silverstone plant so um we think that the cannabis and, and hemp will uh I, I think the next big frontier is is western europe Excellent. Excellent. And then, you know, lastly, um, we talked a lot about technology today. Looking forward, what kind of technology do you see on the horizon or that you can share that you think is going to be intriguing or, or, or helpful in this space? Well, I, I mean, I really look forward to a time when we've got something like RFID chips that are recyclable. The biggest problem with RFID is that, yeah, is, first of all, they're expensive uh, compared to just printing a QR code on something. But um, the antennas and the internal technology and stuff makes the package end up being basically unrecyclable. And is it hard um, to get those chips too? I mean, just thinking about chip shortages, I don't know if it applies yeah. to those. Well, eh, not really, um, but, but it's a good point uh, that, that might come up in the future. Um, you know, we are, we, we realize that we're a plastics company. Right? We make stuff out of plastic. So we're part of the problem but we want to be part of the solution too. And so there's a couple of initiatives and I think technology is going to play a big part of this um, that has to do with the end of life of the stuff that we buy every day. If you look in your cupboard um, or your freezer, you're going to see a lot of pouches, right? But what happens to those? 
Um, proof has shown that 80% of the stuff you put in your curbside recycling bin ends up in a landfill anyways. Even though you designated it as a plastic or as a recyclable, you put it in that thing. So I think we can, I think we can make a dent in that. We've partnered with companies. Uh, one of them is called Again Technologies, pretty awesome. They take plastics, uh, exactly the kind that we use to produce our pouches, and they turn them into wood replacement products. So they basically melt them down and stick them through a Play-Doh fun factory, like extrude them, yeah. and, and turn them into four by eight sheets of replacement plywood. That's crazy. Um, they can also use a chemical decomposition process called pyrolysis, that's a little more expensive from an overall energy standpoint, but it decomposes plastic into its polymers and the monomers and the things that it's basically turned back into oil that you can then turn back into something else. Hmm. We're completely committed to helping retrieve and reuse and repurpose as much of the stuff that we create as humanly possible. And just to keep this in the cannabis space, we're, we're looking to partner with um, individual dispensaries to help create loyalty programs where there's a consumer incentive to bring that packaging back in, get a rebate for it, and then we get to do something awesome with it that's not harmful to Mother Earth. Well, that's great. And that's where that tracking code can really be interesting to, to watch it take that journey, you know, from your factory to their store, to the customer, back to the store. And, and they then... scan it before they put it in the, in the recycle bin. And suddenly that product has a circular life that uh, a company can track so they can report back on it. One of the cool things, Ed, is that, um, you know, more and more states are starting to get this producer responsibility sort of yeah. business um, laid out. Uh, and so companies like mine that make plastic stuff, uh, you know, might, might have some responsibility on down yeah. the line or, or maybe the brands themselves uh, may. But if we can start to prove that these products are being responsibly repurposed, well, that, that's a mitigating factor to what might end up being a, a penalty or a tax or, a, you know, some other kind of burden. It's like uh, a packaging offset or a car as opposed to a carbon offset. So no, it's, a, it's totally what it is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a, a pleasure to chat with you and, and learn more about EPAC. Well, it was my pleasure too, Ed, and thanks everybody uh, that that dials into the Can of Curio podcast. I've absolutely enjoyed it since uh, I started subscribing just a couple of months ago. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you viewers for tuning into today's podcast. I'm your host, Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the Data Vault.